Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always airing first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7 and streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville heard all over the world. This show is also heard on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. The Imaginative Storm Writing Project sponsors Twice Five Miles Radio. And if you would like to learn more about how to make your writing better, you can always go to imaginativestorm.com for that information. Today, my guest is Kathleen A. Wilson. Kathleen's a successful visual artist who lives in L.A. She's also a writer, and she's been on some of our Imaginative Storm Saturday writing gatherings on Zoom, and that's how I got to know her. And I thought it would be interesting to interview Kathleen because she reflects on painting very often in the Saturday morning sessions, and she also generates terrific written material. So Kathleen is able to combine her sensibilities around visual art and imagery with her writing. So that's why I invited her on the show today. And Kathleen begins our conversation by responding to a question that I asked her about growing up as a young artist. So we'll begin there. Here's Kathleen A. Wilson. I can tell you growing up in Michigan has informed my color palette because of the changing seasons. It's informed my my cultural, my whole world from the faith community that I grew up in, experience that I've had out in nature. That informed me when I was very young. And then I had a, a teacher early on, fifth grade, sixth grade, who said, after seeing my beautiful penmanship, I see an artist in you. (laughs) And so that was a seed that was planted at a very young age, and I just gravitated to art and took off. I knew that I could be who she thought that I could be. And my parents were very creative. My father was an architect, a builder, a designer, a visionary. And my mother loved fashion design. So both of them had creative minds. And it just came through the genes, I believe. And I was able to start realizing it myself when I was affirmed For example, by my uncle who took my paintings to the University of Michigan Pharmacy where he worked and he showed my art and he even sold a couple of pieces and that was during high school. So I received a fine art scholarship to Pepperdine in Los Angeles and moved here and developed my skills, my talent. I had wonderful instructors and teachers. One in particular, Miss Ruth Langford, had curvature of the spine. She was only about four, four and a half feet tall, but she did teach me how to see. She had no thumbs herself but she could hold a pencil 
and teach me how to see the shapes, the patterns, the perspective, how to put it all together with just four fingers using the first fingers to hold the pencils. So that's how I got started. Go back to that time when you were a young student and your teacher told you, you have this gift. Tell us about your teacher. Who was that teacher? And how did you feel when you heard that news? And did you know it before? And this affirmation she gave you was just a green light to keep moving in the direction that somehow you knew you wanted to move in. I don't think I knew it before. It did bubble up so easily. <laughs> when I was in an environment of creating, it just flowed. That's how I knew that I, I could do this. My high school teacher took us to his studio so we could see what a professional artist life was like. He taught, but he also had a, a thriving art business. So exposure like that and also informed me as well. So again, going back for a moment, when when your teacher first said that, what went through your body? What went through your mind? How did you feel? Did you smile or did you look surprised or were you doubtful or did you think, yeah, this is exactly what I want to hear? It was exactly what I needed to hear because my life had been very unstable prior to that. My parents were in a tumultuous relationship. And so me and my brother would be in the kindergarten in Michigan, first grade in Los Angeles, second grade in Michigan, third grade in Los Angeles, fourth grade, just back and forth, flying back and forth because my mother didn't want to leave home and my father was a pioneer. He wanted to make something better of himself in a, in a bigger city. So her saying that to me gave me, um, I guess, a sense of myself and uh, a foundation to to spring from something my own that I could express. When you were doing this work as a young student in, in middle school, and then you moved into high school and then on to Pepperdine, what was your community of friends like around you? How did they respond to what you were doing? Did you draw other people who did the level of work you were doing? Or did you find people staring over your shoulder going, what in the world are you doing? In uh, high school, because of the back and forth, I had not grown up with those kids who had been together from almost childhood and they knew each other so I really felt like an outsider couldn't relate at all my school was pretty miserable for me <laughs> I did not connect to community that way and yet you continued to build your work what was it that pushed you why were you able to do that with the disruption that you were experiencing by coastal disruption yeah uh, just the inspiration, a word spoken. Uh, wow, you really are good with your hands. Oh, that's an excellent idea. 
I could never draw myself, but you have the gift. I kept hearing that, those affirmations. And that is what spurred, spurred me on from my teachers, my father, and my mother. How do you deal now with people you encounter who have talent? You're a very optimistic person, clearly. Do you deliberately come into a situation thinking, I remember my childhood. I remember what it was like. I now know what to say to this person who's aspiring to do something. Absolutely. I have a, a mentee now. I met her in her senior year of college, and she's an amazing artist. She has that special gift of sight, eye, hand, coordination. She's more of a realistic artist where she can do portraits that look exactly like uh, like the um, like the person. But yes, absolutely, my experience is priceless. When I talk to her, I'm fully aware of the space that she is coming from. And so I inspire her. She's just amazing. She's And she's so grateful. And she's so humble. And we, we have a great time together. We paint together. I give her maybe things that she didn't see or things that she can pull out of herself to interject into her work. What has she given you you didn't see or didn't know? <laughs> oh, let's see. She has given me even more confidence in myself because of the way she has reacted to me. I feel... I feel stronger. My I feel my muscles stronger. <laughs> my creative muscles, just my view is expanded. Probably because I know that it's vital what I say to her for her to be able to blossom. It's like fertilizing the soil so that she can blossom. So, yes, I'm fertilized and she's fertilized. She's a younger woman in her 20s. I take it she would be the digital native of the two of you. How has she informed you around the modern way that the people in their 20s think versus the more analog way that, that you and I grew up around? Yeah, she's incredible. She has told me so many things I can do with Instagram and, you know, how to post this and how to post that. And she is a professional basketball player. She played in the European leagues uh, for many years. She recently stopped. I talked to her like she's running a play, like she's running a basketball line, play runs. That they write down, they don't always follow them, but at least it's a guide uh, to get to the basket, to get to the goal. So that's what she does for me uh, digitally. All of the Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those social medias, she is so adept with them uh, that I learn every time that I'm in her, her presence. 
Where did she grow up, and how does her background compare to yours? Oh, let's see. She grew up here in Los Angeles. Uh, her mother's African American. Her father was Nigerian, and but just being here in the city of Los Angeles, we're exposed to so much. We have the film industry, music, all of the arts really thrive here in Los Angeles. So we're su surrounded by uh, creative people. As you said, you grew up in Michigan. Were you growing, did you grow up in the country? Did you grow up in the city? Once we finally settled, <laughs> I spent a lot of time with my aunt uh, growing up in the country with my cousins. <laughs> Oh no, no, running up dirt roads and and um skipping rocks on a creek and uh, running through cornfields and just sitting outside at night looking at the heavens above and seeing shooting stars. All of that informed my creativity as well. I'm not surprised you said you grew up in the country or you spent much of your time in the country because the way you describe your work, it has that dazzle feeling one gets when one looks up at the sky at night. And most of the time, city folks, they don't get to look at the sky so much because there's uh, so much light pollution. But for the country people living out in the country, you see that vast sky and it's a wonder. Which brings me around to the work you generate and the work you do. It has dazzle. It's very sharp. It's very colorful. It's different. Lots of aspiration in your work, reflecting on some of the struggles people have in life. So your work is not free of the questions that people have about what am I going to do next or how am I going to get from point A to point B? So talk about the, the work you do and describe it a bit for us because this is radio after all. Oh, yes, yes. What I have uh, become known for as an artist and collected across the country is my silhouette expressions of portraits in black. I use the silhouette, the black silhouette of the body. I clothe it in luminescent textures, colors, and patterns reminiscent of African cultures. That's the way I can connect to my culture, my culture way, 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 way back before even the Middle Passage. and. It is a community, fathers, mothers, kings, queens, so our children can see us together, us united, prayer pieces, pieces inspired by dreams, powerful dreams that I've had, and communication. I have a piece called Meeting of the Minds, and in the back are the ancestors and in very soft oil paint. And then the foreground are my very powerful silhouettes with the uh, beautiful clothing uh, dress. And when there is a meeting of the minds, then we can accomplish anything. So those are the kinds of things that I, I, that I think about. Unity, love, 
uh, compassion for the earth, how we must care for the earth the same way we care for each other. Those are the kinds of things that I think about. Golly, I've published so many pieces over the years, 40, 50 pieces, and many of those editions have sold out totally. So I have families with my art hanging in their walls to inspire, perhaps inform, perhaps instill an idea that's going to get them over you know, over the hump and see a a brighter day, that brighter side. Planet of Africa will allow us to fit at least four lower 48 states, the entire lower 48 of America, and then probably Hawaii and Alaska, four times into it. It's Mm -hmm. that big with such a range of geography, of people, of habitats, of cultures. Does your research take you into the different cultures? And then do you mix that all together in a collective presentation for your artwork? That's exactly what I do. It is a collective of that one unifying thing about humanity, about spirit, the oneness is a symbol in my work. You look at it, you'll know that it's African, but you can't pinpoint whether it's the Wadabi or the Ashanti or because I infuse my own way of being, having been informed and, and, and trained up myself and putting it all together one collective. That would make sense because when those 400 years or however long it was, when folks arrived under duress to the shores of this country, they came together. They mixed a melange of people. So it would make sense that in this environment, all of those elements that go back all those centuries just express themselves in many, many different ways, including the art that you present. Why is this oneness so important to you? How come it has so much currency? I believe in the one God, one creator of all, who is in all, through all. And that oneness is what I seek. It's what I seek. So through the artwork, I become one. You ever feel disconnected from that oneness? Because if you seek it, that implies that maybe you want to find it, or are you just looking for more of it, or is there some way of measuring it? I have found it, and there is no measuring stick. There's no measure. I've just found it or how does knowing that the oneness which is to in my mind infinity the complete proposition which has no end it has no beginning it's always existed there's no way to start or finish it so we are always going to be embodied in this infinity forever there's no and we are in forever right now because forever is now 
So how does that help you interact with the art when you go to that canvas and you pick up the brush? Do you know what you're going to do? Or are you waiting for the oneness to inform the first stroke of the brush, the first color? You said that well in your question. I don't know what I'm going to do because I am a channel of the inhabitation of the oneness. So the oneness expresses itself through me. There's a book written by Reverend Cecilia Williams Bryant, and she wrote about my work. And it's called I Dance with God. May I share it with you? Yes. Listen to the bodies of the women and the Pieta of John Biggers and the paintings of Kathleen Atkins Wilson. The voices of our bodies language the vision of life with candor, passion, meaning, unrehearsed. Our bodies speak call out, worship, invoke, inquire. Even when we find ourselves entrenched in a wordless experience. Consequently, when my body is endued with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, my body can speak holiness. The scriptures indicate that the very shadows of the apostles Brought healing. Amen. So the silhouette is the shadow, the lines, the colors, textures, and pattern are the structure, makes us see or helps us to see oneness. Our bodies, like so many things in nature, are beautiful. Clearly, you have a great connection to that beauty, and your work shows that, and the piece you just read certainly confirms it. Why do you think we have such trouble in this culture, the American culture, and maybe other cultures as well, around our bodies? Our bodies are so beautiful. They're so natural. They're so at ease with being bodies. What's going on here, Kathleen? Give us some insight. Our bodies are absolutely magnificent. It's just unawareness. I think just unawareness. We come, First thing we do is cover up. We put a diaper on it. But every Thursday night, I go to the Otis Art Institute. And there... I take a life drawing session, a three-hour session with a nude model, sometimes male, sometimes female. And we sketch the body for three hours, sometimes three-minute poses and sometimes 10 or even 20-minute poses. And during that time, I tell you, I am lost in the world of the body. It changes, it moves, no matter how hard I try to capture it, it's elusive. So when you see my sketches, they're a sequence of lines. 
because the body is not still. As long as there's breath and life, there's there's movement. And it is just wonderful. I wish everyone could take a life drawing class to see how beautiful they are as human beings. How long does it take from the time you get to the life drawing class until you really drop into that flow? Is it instant? You said you just forget about everything when you get to the life drawing class. How fast does that happen for you? Right away, because I've trained myself. I've trained my sketching muscle. So I'm able to just jump right into the flow. You know, Nave, I took uh, Artist Way from Kelly Morgan. And one of of the things that Julia Cameron wanted us to do uh, to recover our sense of creativity is to go on an artist date. And so this life drawing uh, sessions are for me, for me alone, uh, a date with myself, with my artist, with my, with my friend, uh, to express and just be free. So I think that's why I'm able to just, just flow into it. Curious about the artist way, which of course Julia Cameron wrote. Many people know that. Some folks listening may not know that. It's a book about freeing your creativity. As you've been talking, mentioning your creative champion, the woman who first told you you could write, and then the other people who helped you along. And then when you went to Pepperdine, you had all that help and selling your work at the pharmacy and you getting paid early for this. When you came on the artist way, which is about liberating one's creativity. Why would an artist like you, fully formed, rolling right along, what was it that drew you to a book that is for people who want to find their way as an artist, the artist way? Nothing is written in stone. Things change. People change. Things happen. And it changes, changes your perspective, changes your changes your outlook. So for me, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, was sitting on a shelf in Barnes and Noble, just as I was asking God to please help me. Because I had lost my way, my creativity because I was a caregiver for my father who had recently passed. And I had cared for him for five years. He was diabetic. He lost a foot. He lost a toe. He lost a leg. Then he lost his other leg. Then he lost his sight. But I was his only source of help. I was his only daughter. And I poured all of myself into him so he could have the best life possible. And I saw him all the way through to the end, but it drained all of me. (laughs) So when I asked God for help, I found the book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble. And then I found a facilitator, a wonderful facilitator, and her name was Kelly Morgan. I think you know Kelly. And Kelly was able, through Julia's book, doing the exercises, 
and me opening up, being willing just to be there and be committed to it. That's that's another thing that Julia says, go on an artist date, show up, <laughs> show up to the exercises and write three pages a day. Write three pages a day, whatever, let it flow through you whatever whatever may come and even if you don't know what to write you write i don't know what to write and then your spirit will open up and it will start to flow so that's how i was able to move back into my into position i was way i was way on that dark side <laughs> and then i saw the light side and kelly helped me to facilitate it on that Fine balancing line. So when you were taking care of your father for the five years, and that's a that's a big burden that many, many people have to carry. Yes. Did you completely move away from your art or did you continue to try to keep your business moving and you just kind of shrank in the art? How did that work? I did. I did shrink. I, I I did absolutely did because I mean I had you know we had appointments and he had the finest fight he was with the VA system and it was extraordinary for us. They took care of us. It was just wonderful. But uh we had to make a commitment to get him there, to get him to his appointments, to make sure that he ate right, to make sure that he got everything that he needed. It was, it was so hard. It was so hard. And he said to me one day, you know, I think you're more sick than I am. Well, it turns out I was. My arteries were clogged and I had to have heart surgery to open them up. That's because I had been caring for him and not caring for myself at the same time. So when you said goodbye to your father and he moved on and now you're back Kathleen in the bookstore asking for help and there's the artist way on the shelf were you aware that you were needed some health care yourself when you arrived at that point yes I had recovered from the surgery and but I knew I wasn't recovered of my whole self, I knew that I needed help. And when I saw that book, I knew it was the help. I knew it. When you started doing the course with Kelly, and yes, I do know Kelly Morgan, and she's done lots and lots of work for many, many years with the artist way and other disciplines as well, writing and performance and whatnot. When did you start to gain your traction back after you worked with the artist way? Was it the first two or three weeks or did it take the whole 12 week course? And how did you start to incorporate the five year experience into your work? It wasn't lost, was it? It must have had some influence on what you did after your father left this world. I did complete the 12-week course, and then I went on as a matter of 2011 is the year that my father passed. And to this day, I am still taking Kelly Morgan's creative writing 
course. So I've really moved along in my life, just expanding my creativity. But it's interesting, along with the help came opportunity. Opportunity to show my work, opportunity to create, uh, for example, a book. I created the illustrations for a book about the journey of music of the African diaspora from antiquity to modernity. I illustrated uh, this book digitally. I used I used Photoshop, but I also included my work, my paintings in each image. And there were 15 uh, images that I had to uh, complete to tell the story. Because of my father's strength and creativity and being a builder, I was able to use those principles along with the artist's way, the, the creative part, to put it all together, left brain, right brain, to put these amazing historical images together that are just stunning, just in using Photoshop. But the images that I've created over the years are incorporated into each piece. So uh, I hope that the writer will uh, see it through to completion. Um, so we'll see. We'll see as time time goes on. Well, when you move back into your work as the as the as the visual artist, did you find that your your father's spirit was there with you, and also your mother's spirit was there as you moved into the artist way, and then you moved into the work that you were doing again? Oh, I feel them every day. I feel their spirit, their strength, their determination, their creativity, their um, they're wanting me to be and do the best that I could be. What our parents want most for us, it's it's with me. It's it's uh, there's no separation. So as we close this down, we're getting close to the end of our time together. Tell us a bit about where you're going with your work so people can connect with you, so they can find out what you're going to be doing in the next year or so. Well, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I'm just going to be available <laughs> and excited and Excited, anticipating what's going to come out of me next, uh, the opportunities that are, are going to come my way. I have four shows a year here at my studio and home, uh, winter, spring, summer, and fall show. And I invite the, the community and collectors to come. And I don't go out as much to travel the nation like I used to. My husband is retired now, so uh, we have a pretty stable uh, collector base now. So when I create things, 
uh, people come. I have a program called uh, Art on Monday, where I send out a work of art every Monday, uh, for, uh, which is available for purchase, along with uh, a little newsletter, a little description of how it was created or what I had in mind. And I've been doing it for about two years now. So Art on Monday is uh, an idea that I came up with to keep my art in front of people. So when they do think of an artist or art for that they need for their homes, I'm available and they can look back through the images and, and find things that they might want to, that they want, might want to own. So there have been plenty of songs written about how miserable Monday is because it's the beginning of the work week. So you have flipped that on its head and art on Monday is the beginning of the creative week. So Absolutely. how do, how do people connect with that? What's your website and tell us how we can get in touch with you. All right. My website is Kathleen, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-A as in Apple, Wilson, W-I-L-S-O-N, KathleenAWilson.com. And I have an Instagram, Kathleen A. Wilson Art. And I have a Facebook page, Art on Monday by Kathleen A. Wilson. So Kathleen A. Wilson is everywhere on the internet. <laughs> well, Kathleen, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on Twice Five Miles Radio. I really do appreciate it. And I love being here talking with you and expressing a part of my life. And there you go, my friends. Thus concludes my conversation with Kathleen A. Wilson. KathleenAWilson.com is her website if you would like to view some of her visual art. It's really, really stunning. I enjoy going there and just looking at what she has to offer, and I bet you will too. Towards the end of our conversation, Kathleen mentioned The Artist Way and how Julia Cameron's book of the same name, The Artist Way, had really helped her to keep her creativity and her painting on track. If you are familiar with The Artist Way, you'll know that it's a book about freeing creativity. It's used by people all over the world. And since Julia Cameron wrote The Artist Way, she's written numerous, numerous other books on creativity. Julia and I have known each other since 1995 when we first started working together in The Artist Way Creativity Camp, which we held in Taos, New Mexico from 1995 through 2001. Kathleen mentioned that I know Kelly Morgan, who was the woman who facilitated Kathleen's Artist Way Creativity Workshop. Well, Kelly and I met when she came to guest teach at one of the creativity camps in 1996. So yes, I do go way back with Kelly, and she does an excellent job out there in L.A. with the Artist Way material. So with the Artist Way in mind, I thought you might like to hear from Julia. I did an interview with her a while back, and in that interview she talks about the tools of the Artist Way, morning pages, walks, and artist dates. So I thought since Kathleen referenced Julia, you might be interested in hearing what Julia has to say about the basic tools in her book, The Artist Way. Julia begins by talking about spirituality and creativity, and then she moves on to the Artist Way tools. So here's Julia Cameron. Creativity and spirituality are one and the same thing. 
that as you work on your creativity, your spirituality blossoms, and as you work on your spirituality, your creativity blossoms. I believe that there's a river of creativity and inspiration that flows just beneath the surface of ordinary life. So as we work with the Artist's Way tools, we start tapping into this river. As we become accustomed to creativity as a way of life, we find that the inspiration is readily available. The Artist's Way keeps me persevering. It urges you forward gently. It coaxes you into creativity. I often say that, well, there's just three simple tools. When I wrote the book, I thought there were two simple tools, which were morning pages, which, as we know, are three pages of longhand morning writing about anything. Strictly stream of consciousness. You don't censor them. You don't reread them. You simply write what's at the top of your mind. Morning pages are, I think, a form of prayer, that what we're doing is we're telling the universe or God or the higher power or the muse, however you care to conceptualize it, you're saying, here's where I'm at. This is what I want more of. This is what I want less of. This is what I believe in. This is what I need to believe in. When you do morning pages, you are moved into action. It's a daily risk to write the pages, and that little risk of writing the pages leads to bigger risks. I have a fantasy. Okay, I die. I get to the pearly gates, and St. Peter is there, and he says, why should I let you in? And I take a deep breath, and I say, I convinced people to write. And he says, come in. So morning pages were the first tool, uh, and the tool for which I am most known. They differ from journaling. Journaling, you set a topic. I'm going to write everything I feel about my mother. I'm going to write everything I feel about Fred. You set a topic, and you write to the topic for a number of pages. Now, with morning pages, you don't set a topic. You go topic to topic to topic. It's a little bit like you have ADD. What you're doing is saying, the car has a funny knock in it. I didn't like the way George talked to me at the meeting yesterday. I forgot to call my sister back. I forgot to buy kitty litter. (laughs) Uh, You jot down whatever crosses your consciousness. And in that sense, it's similar to meditation. When you sit in meditation... You watch cloud thoughts drift across your consciousness. With morning pages, you write your cloud thoughts down. So that was the first tool. The second tool was something called an artist date, which is two parts, part artist and part date. It's a festive, solo expedition. You do it once a week to do something that just enchants or interests you that the artist's dates are what give people a feeling of benevolence. They often go from feeling that the world is sort of a hostile place to feeling like, oh, the world is a good adventure. I get it. So that's the artist's date. 
And then it was week 12 of The Artist's Way, the very tail end of that book, where I said, P.S., exercise. (laughs) And I knew exercise was important, important enough to put in the book, but I didn't know how important it was. So now I've been teaching 25 years, and I find that I assign exercise, take two walks a week, 20 minutes apiece, all by yourself, and let yourself just mull. So those are the three basic tools, uh, and I trust them. I trust them. People typically say, Julia, I don't have enough time to do morning pages. And I say, morning pages win you time, because what happens is they make you alert to what I call choice points. Uh, And as you go through your day, you'll see, I have 20 minutes here. Shall I do something productive or shall I do something (laughs) non-productive? And they lead you into productivity. That's a wonderful note to close this conversation on. Julia Cameron, thank you for being in my life for a long time. It's, it's just wonderful that we've stayed in contact all this time. I've loved working with you and talking to you, and, and I love it sometimes when the phone rings and you're on the other end, and that very day I mentioned your name. It may have been six months since we last spoke, and I sometimes wonder, how did she know to call then? So thank you, Julia Cameron. It's a real pleasure to have you on Twice Five Miles. Thank you, Navi. And that was Julia Cameron reflecting on the tools in the artist way. The artist way has really done a lot for me, and now what I'd like to do is to play a piece of music that Walter and Parks and I collaborated on, and actually the theme song for this show, which is playing underneath me right now, is the beginning of that piece of music that Walter and I put together. I do the spoken word part, and he does the, the music part. And it's titled Cash. So here it is to take us to the top of the hour. Glad to be one of the living, waiting for the engine. 
engine's light to bounce ahead of wheels echoing in the tunnel. my friends cash recorded in jersey city by walter parks and yours truly a few years ago i wouldn't have been able to do that wouldn't have had the wherewithal the spine courage if you will if it hadn't been for being involved in the artist way work which has influenced many people kathleen a wilson being one of them elizabeth gilbert who wrote eat pray love being another she said if it weren't for the artist way eat pray love wouldn't exist so this book has a great range and i hope if you have an opportunity to flip through it or if you own it you'll take it off your shelf and flip through it and find some good things to work with And on that note, I'd like to say thank you for listening to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting first on WPVMLP Asheville, Widow 3.7, and streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville. Heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you once again, Walter Parks, for our theme song, WalterParks.com. And thank you, Devine Dial, for managing WPVM-FM. If you'd like to reach out to me, nave at jamesnave.com. I'm always available to receive your emails. This show is sponsored by the Imaginative Storm Project. If you'd like to improve your writing chops, you can always make a visit to imaginativestorm.com and there you'll find all kinds of good stuff that will improve your your writing and so till we meet again i'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line and while you're moving down that line here's just a little bit more music from mr walter parks this piece you're going to hear now is called a holler and it comes from the old days when people in the florida swamps hollered as a way of communicating they were hollering when they were leaving and they would holler when they came back home to let the folks know they were arriving so here is one of walter parks's modern renditions of an old something that few people know about called the holler which started in the okie swamp in florida
I don't 